This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Welcome listeners to another episode of The Law School Show. My name is Noor and I will be your host for this episode. Our guest today is Annie Thayeb. Annie Thayeb is an associate at Orr Taylor LLP, where she works on a wide range of competition and commercial litigation matters. Her experience includes multi-jurisdictional class actions, complex contractual disputes, competition law, shareholder disputes, and regulatory proceedings. She has appeared in courts across the country, including the Ontario and British Columbia Courts of Appeal, the Ontario Superior Court, and the Mutual Fund Dealers Association. She is also an executive of the South Asian Bar Association and is an active volunteer for various pro bono Ontario initiatives. Thank you for joining us today, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. So today, before we get into the main part of our episode, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your field of work and how you ended up in the field of commercial law. Sure. So I graduated from U of T and I articled at a full service firm. And I did that because I wasn't quite sure what it is that I wanted to do. I had a bit of a sense that I wanted to be a litigator. I kind of knew I liked the idea of being in court, but I was open to potentially not doing that. So I articled at a full service firm. I ended up spending a lot of time in the litigation group there. And I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. I solidified that. And unfortunately, I just didn't get hired back. So I um, asked around and one of the partners at that firm was able to refer me to a litigation boutique that happened to have a niche practice in competition litigation. And that's quite rare. So in Toronto, Mm -hmm. most of your competition groups are in larger firms. And a lot of those groups focus on advisory side work. So they will advise on transactions. So I was referred to Affleck Green McMurtry AGM, where they had a competition litigation practice, as well as a commercial litigation practice. So that's where I went. um, And I was there for five years. So that's really how I got started. They happened to have a really wide practice. So I was doing things from shareholder disputes to competition litigation to contract disputes to some class actions work, you know, really anything and everything that was not criminal or family um, AGM would do. And so that's how I got started. That's amazing. I like the fact that you didn't give up and, you know, the power of networking, you asked around and, you know, you ended up in a position that you, you really liked. Yeah. You know, it's actually interesting that that period of time between my articling and finding a job, I was having coffees every day. I think Mm -hmm. I was having several coffees a day with people who were willing to spend time with me. And I realized in that time, one, there are so many people in the bar who are willing Mm -hmm. to spend time with you and to provide you with guidance and help as much as they can. So that actually made me feel fabulous that I thought that was a great feature of our bar. Our bar is incredibly generous. And the other thing was I actually got to meet so many people who had taken so many different routes to get to where they were that I 
felt really hopeful for the future. I felt like I could do anything. It was really interesting mm -hmm. because I was looking for a job and you would normally think that that would be a sad experience or a depressing yeah. experience, or it would um, take away from your um, excitement for the future. But I truly like met so many incredible people who had done such a wide range of things that that was, that actually got me really excited to, to be in the practice of law. Um, so it was actually yeah. a fun time, funnily enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, I guess the beauty of that is there are several ways to do it. You know, it's not just there's not just one path you can take. There's several paths. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you that that's the beauty of a legal education. You could practice law or you could not practice law. You could go work for government. You could go do so many different things that have such a big impact on our society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So, Annie, uh, we're going to move on to the main like the main topic of our episode today, which is diversity and inclusion. Um, and taking an intersectional approach, uh, I'd like to say that each individual does have a unique set of characteristics. And a part of this roots from our background, our ethnicity, our origin. And on that note, on that topic, Annie, if you could tell us a little bit about your journey in law school as a South Asian woman. Sure. So law school was a was an interesting experience. Uh, and I think maybe that's the case for everybody. Your first year is very intense. Uh, it can be kind of scary and difficult. And a lot of law students, I think, are used to having an easier time in undergrad, right? So like by the time mm -hmm. you get to fourth year undergrad, you mm -hmm. kind of have the undergrad system figured out. So you know what you need to yeah. do to get the A, you get that done and you get the A, you know, that's just the way that a lot of the law students are. So when you get to law school and everything is just different and it's changed and you're surrounded by people who are so incredible and amazing and talented and who just seem like they are born lawyers, you know? Yes. It can be very intimidating. Um, and uh, that may be true for everybody, I'm sure, but it can be a little bit extra true for people who are slightly different. So that difference could be anything from, you know, like I'm, I happen to be South Asian. Uh, and that was a little bit challenging, you know, it added an extra layer of complexity mm -hmm. to that imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us feel. So I also happen to be a woman that added a little bit of complexity. I happen to be Muslim that added mm -hmm. a little bit of complexity. You know, if you happen to be different in any one of a variety of ways that can add to your imposter syndrome, um, because even though, you know, you might think that law school, and I think this is true of the broader practice as well, you know, like the legal profession in general, definitely has been getting better in terms of diversity, but mm -hmm. it's not fully diverse and it's not reflective of our society. So there's still a long way to go. And people who are diverse do, I think, feel that extra little bit of imposter syndrome. And it can be kind of difficult to find your people or the people that you really connect with. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a struggle that I had in in law school was just finding the right people, not, you know, not that no people were not friendly to me, everybody was mm -hmm. friendly. And I never had a, a bad experience in law school, but it wasn't easy for me to find those true connections or those people right. who were going to be lifelong friends that took a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. So Annie, if you could tell me how or give us tips on how to find our people, how to find those true connections? Yeah, it can be hard. Uh, I think my approach has always been to just 
meet as many people as you can, you know, so, (laughs) and that's just, you, you have to do that and hope that some of those people will connect with you. So you meet as many people as you can and you make sure that you let your personality shine through. So whatever it is that makes you who you are, Mm -hmm. let that speak, let that show so that people can actually see who you are, meet who you truly are. And you can only hope that that will at some point lead to a connection, right? And sometimes that connection comes with people who are really similar to us. And sometimes it comes with people who are completely different Mm -hmm. and they just happen to click. So that can happen too. And I, that's a really exciting thing when that does happen. So, you know, I think you meet as many people as you can. You try to make sure that if there are parts of you that you really like, but you think might be slightly different, Mm -hmm. you know, like keep those parts if you would like to keep those parts and let those parts shine through if you would like to, if you happen to be South Asian and you happen to, I don't know, like Bollywood movies, you know, you can, you can mention that and hopefully find people who are either okay with that or also happen to like Bollywood movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, I think is you have to also make sure that you're looking around to see what else you can, you can do to build those connections. Mm -hmm. So if there happens to be something that a lot of different people might be interested in, and you want to develop that part of your personality, you think, hey, maybe I would like to become someone who's more like X, you know, maybe I would like to become someone who's a debater, then you can become a debater, you know, you can add that aspect to your personality. For myself, personally, it happened to be um, basketball, I, you know, I picked up basketball as I was a, um, as I started to become a practicing lawyer, I started to watch the Raptors play more and more. That was right around the time when everybody was bandwagoning. And so I also bandwagoned, but that opened a lot of different doors for me. I made connections with people that I would never have made otherwise. Um, So, you know, there are parts of your personality that you can add and continue to build your connections and Mm -hmm. continue to build your network. Um, But at the same time, you want to make sure that you don't lose the parts that you really like, you know, you don't want to become like everybody else. um, Because I think that's a, that's not a really fun way to be. Yeah, for sure. And so what I take away from what you said is networking, going out of your comfort zone and meeting people who add value to your life while maintaining your identity. um, And in fact, adding to that identity, you know, being comfortable with who you are. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it. I think it's a constant balance. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be who you are, but you also want to be the best person that you can be. So when that what that means in terms of making connections for me is, you know, keeping an eye out. And if there are parts of your personality that you'd like to develop and you think that may help you make connections with different people or people who you find interesting or cool, Mm -hmm. you should absolutely do that. And if there are parts of your personality that you love and you just don't want to give up, then don't give them up. Those are yours to keep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we learn through trial and error, right? We can never have everything figured out. Um, It's like going through life and going you know going through opportunities and realizing that this is this is what I want or this is what I don't want yeah and tomorrow you can change it absolutely you know tomorrow you can decide hey this is a part of my personality that's not serving me anymore Mm -hmm. it's not giving me happiness I don't like to watch basketball anymore and you can drop that and that's okay that's how we grow exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and so transitioning from that point what is your experience like working in the field as a lawyer 
Um, are, they, are there any, any particular challenges you faced? Are there any triumphs you've experienced, stories you'd like to share? Sure. So being a lawyer, um, it, it's kind of like when you start being a lawyer, it's almost like starting law school, right? It's something that's completely different. Your first year is just crazy because it's difficult. It's challenging. It's something you've never done before. And again, you have that very extreme sense of imposter syndrome. It looks like everyone else is comfortable doing what they're doing. And you're always worried that someone's going to find out that you just do not belong. Um, and that's another one of those things where I think everybody probably feels that to a certain extent. And if you're slightly different, then you'll feel it more. Um, and, you know, that's, it's an, a little bit of an unfortunate part of the burden that we carry, I think, as, as visible minorities or as um, just anyone who's slightly different is going to feel that. You might feel that if you are um, a visible minority, a religious minority, or even if something as simple as you went to law school, not in Canada, you might be feeling mm -hmm. that. So um, that's that burden that you have to kind of carry. One of the ways in which I've noticed it play out in practice is you sometimes feel like you are putting in a lot of work and the opportunities just don't seem to come your way the same day, the same way that they do for other people, you know, and you always wonder a little bit to yourself, is that because I didn't do the work? Is that because right. I'm South Asian? Is that because I'm a woman? Mm -hmm. Or am I just making this up? <laughs> like maybe it is just because my work isn't good or maybe it is just because I am not the right person for that opportunity or for that role. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be really difficult to grapple with those situations. But generally speaking, I am happy to say that from what I can tell, the legal profession is getting more diverse. Um, and there yeah. are a lot of people out there who are willing to support you and to guide you even if you don't have a bunch of lawyers in your family. You know, I don't have any lawyers in my family. And um, interestingly enough, I do think that that put me at a slight disadvantage because people who have lawyers in their family know the lingo. They know mm -hmm. the jargon. They know what it's like to do certain small things that you would just never think of if you have not been exposed to that environment right. before. So, um, you know, I'm happy to say that there are more and more people who are in our bar who are diverse and who are willing to support diversity, um, which is a good thing, but there's still a long way to go. You know, it, yeah, it, it will take us sure. some time to get. For sure. Yes. And so I noticed you spoke about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a very prominent, prominent thing in law school in itself. And I actually didn't think as far as to, uh, to realize that it's also a thing in, in, you know, your legal career. It's, it's sort of, transitions to your career if you could just tell us a little bit more about that because it's interesting how you said you know there are several layers to imposter syndrome and these are things we're not aware of yeah absolutely I, I think um there is a base level that I think that everyone feels um when they start something new so for example you know if you everyone who's a first-year lawyer is in my view going to probably have a little bit of imposter syndrome because as lawyers, we all like to make it seem on the outside that we are in control. So outwardly, you know, we're always right. showing that we're in control of the situation because um, 
that's what we're taught to do. We're professionals. That's what we are hired to do, right? We're hired to be in control of the situation. I get a task. I do the task. I make Mm -hmm. sure I do it to the best of my ability. I hand it back in and I make it seem like it was something that I knew how to do. But internally, I will be panicking about whether or not I did enough research to write this memo, or maybe there's a case out there that I missed, or maybe I forgot to note up something, or maybe there's a ton of typos Mm -hmm. that I just didn't notice in my memo. And look at all these other people who are handing in memos who just seem totally fine. And it looks like they, I'm sure they got all of the right cases and I'm sure they don't have any typos and I'm sure, you know, so there's that level that's always there. And then when you start to add in the differences that you might feel Um, if you happen to be from a different background, that can add a little bit of complexity. So for example, if you think that you've been working just as hard as someone else, but someone else, but other people in your, in your organization, or even outside of your organization might be getting opportunities, they might be getting speaking roles, they might be getting roles to stand up in court more, they might be getting more opportunities to have direct interaction with clients, all of those different types of things you are always wondering, you know, that's, and I think that's Mm -hmm. the struggle is you can't vocalize it because it's difficult to explain to someone what that feeling is. But in the back of your mind, you're always wondering, was it my work? Was it my ethnicity? Was it my background? Was it my gender? Mm -hmm. Or was it something else? So it's, a struggle. Um, and it gets yeah. harder if you happen to be different than mm-hmm. the other people who are around you. Um, but I'm, I think it helps to remind yourself that mm-hmm. most people are feeling it in some form or another. And there are other people out there who are mm-hmm. feeling it just as intensely as you, maybe not in your organization, maybe in a different organization, maybe at a different firm, but there are people out there who are feeling that and just know that it's real. You know, you pick up on cues sometimes that are hard to express, that are hard to articulate, Yeah, but they are there and you have to make that decision about, are they egregious enough? Is something egregious enough happening here that you need to do something about it? Or is this something that you can learn from and do something about it in that way? Or is this something that is one mm-hmm. of those things where you just kind of have to hope that it changes over time, right? Like you kind of try to change it slowly by, you know, mm-hmm. inserting yourself in, in those situations. So for example, if you think that an opportunity could be coming your way, but it's going to someone else, maybe you just make it a point to walk past a partner's office and mention, hey, I heard yeah. this opportunity is available. I'd be interested in case you think it would be good for me. And you just make sure to mention it. It's possible that maybe they just didn't think about it before you right. mentioned it to them. So yeah. there are a lot of different ways that you can go about dealing with those kinds of different things, but it's hard to know how to do it practically in the moment. Uh, and that's something I think we all kind of just have to learn for ourselves and hopefully if yeah. you have people around you who can guide you and who can give you some mentorship on that that helps a lot too and you pointed out something very important you know when it comes to imposter syndrome there's more to it than we know you know in regards to a person's identity 
there are several layers. It's very complex, right? There are several components of a person's identity, and you're right, that could possibly contribute to a more extreme version of imposter syndrome. And it can, you know, cause an individual to experience feelings of displacement. So essentially, a person tries to find a balance, right, between maintaining those components of their identity while trying to fit in with a larger society or with a larger community. And I think that's an excellent time to just take a step back and use their own diversity, to use their identity as their strength. That sort of moving towards a narrative of empowerment. Absolutely. And, you know, actually, one of the other things that I was thinking of as I was talking about this was one of the things that I think that we can take comfort in as just speaking to people maybe of my demographic as like a South Asian woman, for example, um, we can take comfort in the fact that there are people who know what it's like, who have done these kinds of things before and who are willing to talk to you. So you can actually use that network. Like you don't need to have a built-in family support network to have someone to talk to about this kind of stuff. You can talk to other people who happen to be from a similar background. You can join organizations like the South Asian Bar Association or the Canadian Muslim Lawyers Association or all of these other incredible diversity organizations. And those will give you a support network. Those will give you those different people who you can connect with and you can talk to and you can maybe get some advice about your particular situation or maybe just commiserate. You know, sometimes you just want to complain about the fact that something's happened to you that no one else understands. And so you can use those kinds of organizations to your benefit and you can use those as networking tools. You can use those as tools to gain your referral network as you become a practicing lawyer and you try to build your practice. So those are the kinds of things that I think, you know, we have available to us by virtue of being a diverse member of this bar, yes. um, which I think is fabulous. For sure, Annie. And I, I think that brings us to the point of mentorship. Mentorship as a law student, having someone to look up to, having someone to speak to about your experiences. I think it's very important. Like everything you're saying resonates with me, myself as a South Asian, you know, Muslim woman in the legal field. And so, which is why I think these are important discussions to have, like I said earlier, you know, finding people who who's, who's just background and experiences align with you. And I think that brings you some sort of comfort, like whatever you're experiencing, you know, there are people out there to guide you, to mentor you. Yeah. And one of the messages that I think comes out of some of my experiences in the, um, in the past in terms of, you know, reaching out to people for coffees or doing all that sorts of stuff is really, you know, there are people out there who are willing to share their time and who are willing to share their advice or just commiserate with you. So it's just a matter of finding those people. It it can take some time to find the people who you really click with, but when you do, it pays off because you just have someone to talk to. So, you know, if you don't happen to have a mentor, you know, reach out. There are mentorship programs that are fabulous out there that are offered by a lot of different organizations. They might be offered through your school or through different diversity organizations. But honestly, you can do... like a lot just by cold emailing people like cold emails will actually get you responses not everyone's going to respond a lot of people are busy and they won't respond but a couple of people will respond and maybe those are the people that are really going to be helpful for you so it, the bar is a really helpful place um so it that gives you some comfort i think and that has given me a lot of comfort 
um, ever since I had that experience with my coffees while I was looking for work. Yeah, it's it's nice to know that, you know, lawyers are willing to extend and extend a hand and, you know, help students or young lawyers, senior lawyers will help younger lawyers, junior lawyers to sort of pave their path and mentor them and guide them. Yeah, and so I also noticed that you are a part of the South Asian Bar Association. Um, that's great. I, I wanted to know what some of the work you've done with them or, you know, about some of the work you're doing with them as a member right now. Sure. So I joined the board of directors for the South Asian Bar Association. Um, I'm part of the Toronto chapter. And the Toronto chapter serves members um, across the GTA. We have about more than 700 members at this point. So that's a lot of people um, in this bar association. And the goal of the bar association is multifold. So one of them is access to justice and obviously specifically for South Asian uh, people, but also just of all diverse, um, like diverse populations. Um, So access to justice is one. um, And we try to support that through supporting, you know, pro bono initiatives or um, giving to specific organizations or charities or just speaking about those issues and being supportive Mm -hmm. of legal aid funding and things like that. Um, Another big piece of it is advocacy. So for example, with the law society elections, every time there's a venture election or a treasurer election, we do some campaigning and we we do some homework to let people know about which candidates might be more supportive of diversity and inclusion um, policies or programs at the the law society stage. Um, And we also do other advocacy pieces. So for example, we recently intervened in a Supreme Court of Canada case relating to peremptory challenges and the the fact that those were legislated away. And then we do a lot of programming for professionals. So a lot of our work is actually just putting on panels and um, talks about a wide range of things. So we've had talks in the past about how COVID has impacted our practices and, you know, wellness in the time of COVID, especially that's been really difficult for people. Um, People have been feeling isolated. So things like that. Um, We're planning a conference in November about allyship with other communities um, and in particular the black and indigenous communities. Um, So Mm -hmm. we do a lot of programming just to get South Asian lawyers connected to one another and to provide them with resources to hopefully better their practices Mm -hmm. and better their lives in general. Yeah, for sure. As, As I do my research and I come across, you know, SABA or different organizations, I see that one thing I notice is, you know, using your identity as your strength or, you know, as your uniqueness and joining these associations and being able to contribute to them, you know, I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. And they actually also give you, they're a great um, place for you to get skills or opportunities or experiences that might be difficult to get otherwise. So for example, I am a part of the executive of the South Asian Bar Association and um, I, you know, may not have been able to become an executive part of, for example, the Ontario Bar Association or the Advocate Society mm-hmm. this early in my career. But as the secretary of SABA, I do have a lot of responsibility and I do have a lot of face time with other diversity organizations and the law society right. and a whole bunch of other 
bar associations and they give us a lot of um, credibility and a lot of weight when we speak on these different types of issues because we represent Mm -hmm. such a large part of the bar. So it's a great way to actually get experience and opportunities that you may not be able to get otherwise. And um, as I kind of alluded to previously, get a referral network. You know, if you're in private practice, a big part of what you do as part of your business development is build a network of people who like you enough to send you work. And the more people who know you, the more people will get to know you and your work and the more they may be willing to send you something uh, in the future. So absolutely, it's a great way to grow your network and to actually Mm -hmm. use that part of you as a strength and as, um, you know, a tool for for your Mm -hmm. growth and your development. Yeah, thank you. So finally, I would like to end this episode off with some advice that you may have for law students or young lawyers. You know, I usually like to just leave it on that note perhaps, you know, something you would want, would have wanted someone to tell you at the earlier stages of your journey? When I was a law student and a young lawyer, it would have really helped me to know that a lot of the things that I was feeling, I was not unique in feeling. So that's one part of it. But the other part of it is like the the practical um, corollary of that or the practical result of that is that you should not feel scared to reach out, mm-hmm. like reach out to people, you know, and the worst thing that can happen is they don't get back to you and that's okay. But the people who do get back mm-hmm. to you may be a really great resource in the future. So like, you know, keep the parts of your personality that you like. If you're struggling with, you know, who you are or whether or not you're going to fit in, you know, those are things that a lot of us struggle with. So do the work, try to figure it out on your own, and then reach out to other people who can talk to you about it and help talk you through the different parts of, you know, what it takes to fit into the legal community in Canada. And there are people who will do that for you. It's just a matter of reaching out and finding those connections. So don't be afraid to do that. There are people who will be willing to spend time with you Mm-hmm. And you should make use of that time, you know, like, don't be scared to take up other people's time if they're willing to spend time with you. So take up the space that you need to actually right. feel like you fit in. It's important. It's important for you. And it's also really important for the rest of the bar to have everyone feel comfortable and confident in their ability as a lawyer to engage in the legal community. Right. So some of the things, some of the lessons that I have learned from you through this episode is, you know, going out of your comfort zone, reaching out, not being hesitant, um, you know, growing as an individual and sort of using your individuality or diversity as a strength. I think those are a perfect way to encapsulate all of the different things that we've talked about. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your experience with us and, you know, giving us great insight and advice on on every, every topic we've discussed. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here.
next time on The Law School Show.